we are in this new series, and the thing I love about the new series is that it's 21 days of prayer. However, this is not a series, just to let you know, this is not a series about how to pray, okay? We've done some series in the past about how we pray. You can go to Matthew, you can look and see how Jesus told us how to pray and taught us how to pray. Um, if you know the words, dear Jesus and amen, you know, just fill in the middle and you've prayed, okay? That's, that's, it's not that complicated. Uh, our desire for this 21 days of prayer was not how to pray, but what are you praying for? What are you actually kind of, like, you know, directed at and focused on and praying for and what are you praying about? When I, when I announced this back in December, I had several people, kind of, you know, leaders and folks in our church kind of come to me and say, oh, that's awesome. I can't wait for the 21 days of prayer. What are we praying for? And they immediately started thinking through, like, you know, uh, are we praying about the land across the street and some direction there? Are we praying about, uh, you know, building on to our, our family ministry wing because we talked about adding some space for the next generation? Are we praying about the dream board? Are we praying about these dreams that we have as a church and we might have individually? And I'm like, you know, that's great. I, I kind of said, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let, let's pray for all of that, right? Uh, but the series is not actually uh, about targeted prayers in terms of praying for those things. I think we do that kind of naturally anyway. This series is really driven by two words that I want to uh, have us read in our theme verse kind of for the whole series. I want us to look at this together. This is from Ephesians uh, 3.20. And here's the verse. You've probably heard me read this several times. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work, and read those two words for me, within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. I think, again, our natural tendency is to pray for things and about things that are outside of ourselves. We pray for things that are out there, praying for our jobs and our marriages and our, and our circumstances and relationships and all those things. And we're always wanting God to do more. We, we do believe this verse. like We're praying for him to do more in that situation or over there. But we don't often pray for him to work within us. We don't always necessarily direct our prayers specifically to doing a work here so that we can experience more and receive more before it actually goes through us and happens beyond us. And so this 21 days of prayer is really dedicated to these words, which is to expand our capacity. We want, to ex we want him to do a work within us to expand our capacity. If you could think of just like a balloon, okay, a balloon that you kind of have to stretch out in order to blow up. How many of you tried to blow up a balloon before you stretched it out? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand, right? Especially the cheap balloons, it's almost impossible, right? You try to blow, you blow in as hard as possible and you can barely get any air in there. But once you begin to stretch it, right? Once you begin to stretch that out and really work it, it actually expands its capacity to be able to receive more, to increase its capacity to receive more air. And that's what we're talking about. We're praying over the next 21 days specifically about God doing that work within us to expand our capacity, to, to kind of fill our lungs even more than we could possibly imagine could fit in there so we can receive more from God, we can experience more from God, even though we are going to continue to pray that through that, he's going to do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine through us and around us as well in the circumstances of our life. But this is the primary focus of our 21 days, is to expand our capacity. And we're going to look at four areas, four ways in which I believe God wants to expand our capacity, wants to grow us and build in us. And the, this one today, the first one we're starting with, 
is to build our confidence. Building our confidence. And the word we're going to focus on today is the word we use a lot in Christian subcultures, and that's faith, right? You're here, even if you have never been to church in your life, you've heard the word faith. Faith is used all the time in a very broad sense of the word for, for you know, church and Christianity. Faith is actually a word used for all religions. It's actually something pretty broad in terms of we, we, we let it kind of be this word that represents a belief system. So therefore, Muslims have faith, right? And, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Christians have faith and and uh, other, you know, Islamic, uh, Islamic and, and Hindus and Buddhists, and they all have faith because they, we, we use the word in terms of a belief system. And sometimes as Christians, we kind of use the word faith. We read the word faith in our scripture, and we kind of attribute the same thing. And yet the word faith means so much more, especially when you start looking at the way it's used in the New Testament and the way that Jesus himself talked about faith and responded to faith and used that word faith. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you one instance today where Jesus was actually, um, uh, the best way to say it is he was uh, uh, wowed, right, by someone's faith. He was actually amazed. He was actually taken aback by, uh, by someone's act and someone's um, faith that he calls it. And uh, this is a really unique story, and I'll show, I'll show you why as we read it, uh, why he responded to this person's faith. Again, faith, not belief system, but faith and how much more that word actually means. If you want to turn to Matthew 8, uh, this is the small encounter Jesus is teaching with his disciples, and it says that Jesus had entered Capernaum, and he was, uh, at that point, there's some other things that happened. There's some healing and some other things that have been happening along his ministry, and it says, when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. A centurion, by the way, is a Roman uh, like not a, really a general, maybe it's a lieutenant, maybe I'm trying to think of some, some commonalities, but it's a centurion, meaning he had a hundred men, that's centurion. He led a hundred men regiment for Rome, for the Roman army. And so this is a centurion. He's the leader of a hundred men regiment group. The centurion came to him asking for help. He says, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Do you want me to come to your, to your house and, and heal him? And you only see the response here. The, the, the centurion actually replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Like, I don't, that's not me. Like, I don't deserve for you to have that kind of attention. And I love this. He says, but just say the word. The centurion says, hey, listen, just do the thing you do. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. I believe my servant will be healed. And then he gives Jesus sort of the quick explanation as to why he believes that, why it is he's stating that. He says, listen, for, my, for I myself am a man under authority. He says, I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one go and he goes and I tell that one to come and he comes and I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And so here you got to get this picture where, where Jesus says, hey, you want me to come with you? And he says, no, 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 you don't need to do that. You just need to go do the thing. You know, you just do what you're going to do. And I believe if you just say the words, if you just kind of focus your attention that direction, that it'll be done. And he says, the reason I believe that is because I myself am a man under authority. 
And when I tell my soldiers to go or come or sit, and be, I, mean, I don't know what he tells them, but you know, you know, when I tell them to do whatever I tell them to do, they do it. But they don't do it because of me. They do it because of Rome, right? They don't do it because of me, their leader. They do it because of Rome. That's who I represent. I am a man under authority with those under me. And he says, Jesus, I've been watching you. And I believe if you just say the word, you just say the word, he'll be healed. And when Jesus, right, when he saw this, when he, when he heard this from the centurion, he was amazed, right? He was wowed. That Greek word just has that, all that emotion of like, he was just taken aback. And Jesus, being Jesus, he takes this opportunity to actually make it a teaching moment, right? He actually, he actually sees this moment and he goes, wow. And then he looks to his guys. He looks to those with him. He says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great, what's the word? Faith. Faith. I haven't found anyone in Israel, with this kind of faith. Well, that word faith can't mean belief. It can't simply mean a belief system. It can't simply mean knowledge. It can't simply mean this idea of, because Jesus had already met Pharisees and Sadducees, and he'd already met all sorts of leaders, and he had his disciples who were all raised in the Torah. They were all good, good Jewish boys who were raised on the knowledge of the, of the word of God. And here he is looking at this Listen, lost, heathen, Roman leader. And says, I've never seen anybody who has this kind of faith. This is not a believer, guys. In the words we would use, nor in the words they would use. And yet Jesus responds. Of course, he does, he, he does say the word and he says, you know, go home and he's healed. He, he, he goes on to say, you know, he, he again, using it as a teaching moment, he says, look, guys, this is going to be more of this happening. More people, more Gentiles from the east and the west are going to come with this kind of faith. And those who own the knowledge, those who have the right to this faith, the Jewish people, there are many that won't spend eternity with me. So it can't just be belief. It can't just be a system of what we know. This faith, this word that Jesus used, and the way the New Testament uses the word faith, it actually means so much more. Think about the other times he's used it, right? He, he cursed a tree when he was walking by it one day because it didn't produce any fruit, and the disciples were like, my goodness, teach us how to do that. You know, that's an amazing trick. Let's do that one for people, you know? And, and Jesus said, listen, if you had faith just the size of a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to move and it would move. And a lot of times, again, we, we interpret that verse as just believing more, having more information, having more knowledge, having more, more connecting the dots, that we understand the complexities of God. If we could just have a little bit of that, we could do this. And yet Jesus is using the word faith in this much more powerful way. Remember when they were on the boat and they were crossing over the sea and and these are fishermen, mind you. Half his disciples were all fishermen. And, and so they, they, you know, they're in the boat, and this, this big storm comes along. And, I mean, it's getting ready to just sink them. I mean, as far as they're convinced, they're terrified. They're afraid. These are people who have seen storms before. This is the storm of storms that they, they are so filled with fear that they have to go wake Jesus. Okay, now just get that picture. Jesus is sleeping. 
right? But they have to go wake Jesus and just beg him, Jesus, take the wheel literally, right? Isn't that, I mean, that, that was what they were saying. Please, God, we're all going to die. And Jesus gets up and he calms the, the waves and he calms the seas. And then he asks them the question, hey, where is your says it to Peter. Peter goes and walks out on water and takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink and fall and Jesus reaches out to pick him up and when they get back in the boat, you know, he just looks at Peter and says, man, you have little faith. Where was that? Why did you doubt? The purpose of understanding this, as we pray about this building our confidence, the reason I'm just really nailing in on the understanding of our word faith is because sometimes we just don't use it the way Scripture uses it. Okay, we just don't always use it the same way that Jesus understood it to be, and, and, and the New Testament writers understood what faith really meant. And so the word I want you to think when you say the word faith is a word that we use more often is trust, right? That's really what Jesus was saying. Hey, Peter, why didn't you trust me? Guys, I was, I was sleeping. I was getting a good REMs in. Like, I was doing well. You're worried about dying. Where is your trust, right? Where's your trust? He's looking at a lost general. He's looking at a lost lieutenant of the Roman guard, the heathen guard, the people that the Jews did everything they could to, to get away from. And he looked at him and said, there is more trust in this heathen than anyone who has all the knowledge that they're supposed to have about me. Trust. It actually aligns more when you read the Old Testament because the Old Testament used, instead of using the word faith, it said a lot more, trust the Lord your God. That's a lot of the Old Testament language, but it means the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that belief is not a part of faith. It's just that in terms of how it means so much more than belief, it has to do with how you actually trust. It's the word we would use most often to kind of bring about the power and emotion of the word faith, the way Jesus used it, the way he responds to it. It's not just a belief, but trust. The New, the, uh, New Testament writer of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, gives us a definition of faith Gives us a definition of faith, and again, just looking at that word, we can see the understanding of trust, how it's defined for us in Hebrews 11. It says, faith is confidence, right? That's what faith is. Faith, this faith that, that means trust, it is confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Like, this is what faith is, not a belief system, not a religious system. Faith is trust, and it's trust that produces confidence. It produces confidence in what we hope for, and it produces assurance of what we don't even see yet. And the problem with this, the problem sometimes, again, when we don't use faith properly, the problem is, is that when we don't understand that word trust, we just have to be honest about the, the way we trust, okay? And I'm, I say we meaning me. Our natural proclivity, our natural leaning, right, is that we trust, not in what we hope for, not in what we don't see. What do we trust? We trust in what's happening right now, and we trust in what we see, right? Nod your head if you're with me. We trust in what's happening now. Hey, God, what's, where are you right now, right? Where are you right now? 
Hey, God, what, what, why? I can't see clearly. I don't even know what the next step is. Where are you? And we lack trust. We lack faith. And the kind of trust, right, the kind of trust, and I want you to hear this, the kind of trust that we often have, because we trust in what's now and we trust in what's seen, really only produces self-confidence, right? It only produces self-confidence, only the power of within us. If we're only trusting what's now, we only trust what's seen, all the result's going to be is self-confidence. If things are going great, if everything is turning up mat, you know, and everything's awesome and I can see down the road so clearly, then my self-confidence is what? High, right? But if everything is going awful, everything's just gone to crap and, you know, and I can't see anything clearly because it's just like a storm that I'm sitting in, a hurricane, I can't even see a foot in front of me, my self-confidence is low, right? Because that's my natural tendency to trust. That's where my actual faith is, is in this idea of self-confidence. Now, I don't know if it's just me or you can nod your head if you, you see this. I follow a lot of people on social media. I have a lot of people. And how many people follow those people who, um, you know, they, they, can, they, they can never just use one hashtag. They have 37 hashtags. Y'all with me, right? You're with me? Okay. Yeah, Parker, you're my daughter. You do that too. All right, so they, they just have all these hashtags, right, that, that come out there. Now, what I did was I went online because it's the first of the year, and it's, I mean, it's a hotbed on social media right now of all of this, 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 this stuff. I went on to look, and I think I studied either the first 50 or the first 25. Like, what's, what's the hashtags around confidence, the theme of confidence? And here's a few that stood out to me, right? Here's a few that stood out. Be a warrior, right? This is a lot of more fitness tribe kind of things. Be a warrior, warrior mode, you know? Like, just flip the switch, make it happen, right? Like, be the warrior that you know you need to be in order to get done what you know needs to get done, right? How many of you heard, you got this? Right? And some of these are cliches, right? But the hashtag you got this is one of the most popular hashtags in the, in the world. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on. doesn't matter what you're facing. doesn't matter what you're doing right now. Guess what, girl? You got this. Right? Right? How about can't stop, won't stop? You ever seen that one? Can't stop, won't stop. I got news for you. You do stop and you can be stopped. Right? <laughs> And I know this last one's a little more cliche, but it showed up in the list. It was this idea of what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Now, here's the deal. I'm not trying, listen, don't hear me say that I'm trying to reduce the self-talk. I'm not trying to say you can't use these and you're, you probably, I mean, three people probably did this this morning and I'm not picking on you, okay? I'm not. I'm just saying that the problem is, is that again, when we have a natural tendency to trust what is seen and what is now, it does nothing but build our self confidence, and that tends to be the thing that we lean into, especially at the beginning of the year with all of our resolutions and all the things we hope to accomplish. We sort of start leaning into like warrior mode and can't stop, won't stop. And hey, you know, I knew it was a bad 2018, man, but what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, right? Here's the problem. If we want God to build our confidence, like, if this is going to be something over the next few days that you're going to really pray about, expanding your capacity, building your confidence, you don't need any self-confidence. You don't need any self-confidence. You need God-confidence. Okay? And there is a massive difference. 
because it doesn't have anything to do with what you say about you. It has everything to do with, do you believe what God says about you? And so here, we put this on your chairs. Uh, this is, the, we just call it the truth for 2019. And there are 21 different passages, all directly driven by what God says about you. And I would love for you to maybe take, as, as you're doing the next 20, 21 days of prayer, maybe you can read a passage every day. My goal ultimately would be that you would memorize this. That it would be the thing that you, you start committing to memory so that when you start having moments and you, you need some confidence and you need some confidence in your life, that it wouldn't be you got this that shows up in your brain, right? It wouldn't be the things that, that try to fuel the trust in the now and the seen. I want you to have a confidence and a trust, a faith that is in what you hope for and what is yet to be seen, but you need the truth. You need this to be what fills you. You need this to be the things that give you that God confidence, right? So instead of like, you know, warrior mode or be a warrior, you can say, look, I understand that, but, but, but what I need to fill myself with is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Instead of, instead of the, uh, you know, can't stop, won't stop, or, or, you know, you got this, you know, you start, you start filling your head with the knowledge of God and memorizing those scriptures that says, I'm an overcomer by the, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. He has equipped me with everything that I need to do everything he's called me to do, Right? It's so much more powerful. Instead of the what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, I get that, I understand that. But when you, when, you, when you have that moment in your life where you need some confidence, I don't want you leaning on, hey, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, whatever that cliche fully entails. I want you looking at the truth of God's word. I want you thinking about Romans 8. Like I want you going, you know what? If God is for us, who can be against us, right? What could possibly separate us from the love of God? Not death, right? Not life, not angels, not demons, right? Not the fears of today or the worries of tomorrow. Not the power of heaven or the power of hell. Nothing on all the creation can separate us from the love of God, right? And I'm just telling you, that is so much more confidence that you have in store for you that you need to just start stretching and growing and saying, God, I need to, I need to receive more God confidence. Build that up in me. Build that up in me. I'm not saying, you know, again, that, 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 that the idea behind you got this can't still be in you, but it better be backed by what God says about you. It better be backed by the truth if you really want to see him build confidence in you. So how does that look? What is it, what is it going to show up in? And I just wanted to give you three practical uh, areas that I really do believe that if you begin to pray this week and pray uh, for the next seven days about this specifically, about increasing our capacity and expanding our capacity to build confidence, what are some of the areas that it's going to show up in? I'm going to give you three, and they're really easy to, to, to write down or really easy to, to kind of follow along with. One is unwavering in our prayers. That we're going to be unwavering in prayer, all right? Now, unwavering, don't under, I was very careful to choose this word because I'm not talking about consistency, okay? You can, I mean, most of us can commit to something for 21 days. That's just a habit, right? You can commit to something for 21 days. You can be consistent in your prayers. You can be consistent to read one of those scripture passages every day. I'm not talking about consistency. I'm talking about in order to build your God confidence, I want you to be unwavering in your prayer, 
Now, we're going to look at a couple different passages from James, who's the brother of Jesus. All right, James, the brother of Jesus, he doesn't pull any punches, and this is just, he just lays it out. This is what unwavering looks like, and he's very careful to state what we should and shouldn't expect when we have this in our life. So here's James 1. He says, I want you to be sure that your, what's the word? Faith is in God alone. Do not waver like for a person who's divided, right? For a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave on the sea that is blown and tossed about by the wind. That's what this wavering looks like. And he goes on to say this, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. For their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Right? They're unstable. They're un- they're, 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 they waver. This, is, this, is, this means a lot. You can go into a lot of different ways in which you can apply this. But what I love about that is that James doesn't say prayer, but he's really specific on the fact that, look, when you, when you have this sort of dividedness in you, when you have this wavering, just don't expect God to give you anything. Isn't that a great thing to hear on Sunday, right? Tweet that out, right? Matt said, don't expect anything from the Lord. This is James. He just says, look, when, when you say you have faith in God, but your version of faith is a belief in God, but yet you live in such a way that you got this, don't expect God to answer anything. Don't really expect him to be involved. Because James is basically saying, look, when you're divided like that, There's no power there. There's no power there. There's no trust. That's why that word faith means so much more. That when you are praying in faith, when you have the faith that there's only one God who's got this, that you can pray with God confidence that regardless of the answer and regardless of the outcome, that God is going to be all involved and all involved in what you're praying for. Not just, okay, God, I really want you to work on my marriage and my career and, you know, your relationships this year and just praying for these things. Why? Because I have a faith that God hears my prayer and I believe in God. That's great. But you're not living in such a way that you trust him. You're not living in such a, that faith doesn't mean trust to you. And so therefore, it's not faith. So in order to see this happen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come itself out, I'm just telling you. Even as you begin to pray this next 21 days, I want you to have this in your mind, that it's unwavering. It needs to be unwavering in prayer to build this God confidence in us. Next is um, courageous in our obedience. Now, I was very careful with these words because I, I used lots of different phrases for this line and over the last few weeks, and I just kept praying and praying and praying, and I finally just landed here. I just landed here for two reasons. One is that a lot of time we think of actions and doing and doing what God's called us to do. We don't oftentimes use the word obedience, and we've kind of gotten away from that language. And I just think it's important to go back to understanding that when we are called to do something by God, when we are charged and prompted to do something by God, that, that, that to not do it is disobedience and to do it is obedience. But the problem is, is that everything we're called to do, we, we, me and we, right, the me, we, we so often, with our fear and our anxiety and our worry and our concern about circumstances and people and feelings, we tend to think those are really valid reasons to not do what God's called us to do. And we pray. Our prayers are like, God, would you just remove that? And would you change their heart? And would you make this work? And would you make this happen? And we want God to fix all of those things before we 
obey. Well, that's not building God confidence. That's self-confidence. If he took all the things out of your way, if he fixed everything for you, what do you need to have trust in? And so here's again James. James is using this language of faith, and he calls it works and actions, but it really just has to do with what God's called you to do. So here in James 2, he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but doesn't show up in your actions? You, you say you have this trust, but it doesn't actually equate to the way you live. And it says faith by itself, this goes literally around, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, again, actions, it's dead and useless. Keep going. You say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. That's James's version of going, great. You want a cookie, right? Yeah. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So you believe there's one God. That's great. You're on par with demons. And he says, how foolish. Why? Because you can't see that faith without good deeds is useless. Can't you see that? Can't you see that this faith really means trust? Can't you see that this faith that means trust really does, gonna, it's going to play itself out in the way in which you live in obedience to what God's called you to do. And a matter of fact, he gives the example of Abraham. He says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? That he had the courage to do what God was calling him to do, even though it didn't make any sense at all. And it said, you see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Right? His trust was complete. And it goes on at the very end. He says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith, trust, dead without good works. I love, this is a, a quote from Charles Spurgeon on a, on a sermon that he actually was using James as a passage. I just like the way Charles Spurgeon states this in terms of how, why it's so complete, why it just goes together. He says, faith and works are bound up in the same bundle. Why? Because he that obeys God trusts God. And he that trusts God obeys God, right? He that is without faith is without works, and he is without works is without faith. Just repeating what James says. But he's just, I mean, he's just nailing it right there. He's just saying, look, here's the deal in terms of James, not pulling any punches. If you trust God, you will do what God has called you to do no matter what. That's, guys, that doesn't remove fear. That doesn't remove your anxiousness. That doesn't get rid of the circumstance. It means that you have to now have courage to do what he's called you to do. Guess what's happening in a couple weeks? Anybody know? Yeah, Christmas bills are coming, right? Christmas bills are coming. Sorry to pour cold water on the fire, okay? And it's like everybody's liking the sermon less and less as quiet as you get. That's all I'm saying, all right? I'm preaching way better than you're listening, and I know that's true. It's okay. God's going to take this and use it. All right. In the next few weeks, Christmas bills are coming. And, you know, most people in this room, like us, you know, you probably lost your mind towards the end and went over budget and didn't do what you were supposed to do, and that's fine. But the problem is, is that fear and anxiety and worry and concern are going to come up, and all of a sudden you're going to get to January and February, and because of all of that anxiousness and worry about money and what's here and what's there, you're going to not give to the church and not give to some of the things that you've committed to give to. Why? Because... God doesn't remove the fear because God doesn't remove the, the circumstances. He doesn't make things easy. 
And because we don't understand, we, we don't understand well the obedient side of our generosity, the obedient side of understanding stewardship and tithing, because we don't really get that, we're going to accept the fact that fear is a valid excuse. And yet God doesn't care. That's not a valid excuse to him. Because if you trust him, you will obey him. Last few weeks ago, back in December, uh, several of you were prompted. You were prompted to, to take advantage of one of our uh, Journey Go trips that's happening here in the next, uh, next summer, or this, com- next summer, this coming summer. Uh, you, were, you were prompted to do that, and then you allowed a couple weeks to kind of get under your, under your belt, and Christmas was crazy, and you started thinking about, you know, I don't know about the money and how to raise the funds, and I'm not sure that work is going to give me time off, and I'm not sure how all the experience is going to be when I do this, and you kept pulling back and pulling back as if it's a valid excuse and as if God actually cares. No, because if you trust God and he has called you to do something, man, you better do it. That's what your faith is, right? We had lots of dreams last year, a big dream board. You wrote dreams on there and God's been prompting you and you, you know, you're like, there's some stuff you need to start in 2019. There's some things you need to do in 2019. And I'm telling you, we're six days in and you are already overwhelmed with 2019, Right? And you're going to pull back, and you're going to allow some of those things to pull you back, and you're going to put some of the things that God's put on your heart to do, you're going to put it on the back burner, and you're going to try to offer some excuses to God, and you're going to think that he cares. And I want to tell you, as a pastor, he doesn't care. He cares about you. He doesn't care about your excuses. Why? Because he wants you to have God confidence. He wants the faith in you to be faith that equals trust. And that regardless of what things look like and regardless of how things are going, you're going to have the courage to obey. And then watch God do what he's going to do. Guys, that's where it comes from. It's going to show up in our our unwavering prayer. It's going to show up in our courage and obedience. And last, you've heard me use this phrase before, but it's going to show up as we're more lavish in love. Lavish in love. Because loving others is just not something that we do very well, regardless of how much self-confidence we actually have. Here's 1 John. John, you know, um, uh, wrote this a little bit later on in his life. He said, look, no one has ever seen God, but if we love God, if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to a full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and that he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our very own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And, who declare, and, and all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. And we know how much God loves us. And then we have put our what? I'll say, I'll say it again one more time. And we have put our what? We put our trust and his love. That's the faith that we have. And he goes on to say, God is love, and all who live in God, live, live in love, live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. See the word perfect and think Jesus. Our love grows more Christ-like. And then we will not be afraid on the day of judgment because we face him with confidence. Confidence because we lived like Jesus here in this world. 
That's the kind of God confidence that allows us to love people who don't look like us, don't think like us, and don't agree with us. And there's not so much you can do with self-confidence with that. I'm just telling you, self-confidence is not going to get you there. Jesus spent most of his life giving love to people who did not earn it and did not deserve it, who didn't believe politically what he believed, they didn't believe spiritually what he believed, they barely understood the things he taught. And yet he spent his entire ministry and life loving in a lavish way all of those that he came in contact with. I'm telling you, the only way we can get there, guys, the only way we can love those people on the, people on the Facebook feed that drive you absolutely insane, they post the stupidest stuff. You want to lash out. That person at work, right? That person at work, I'm just telling you, the only way you're going to get there, the only way you're going to be able to not just love them in a way that tolerates them as long as you don't have to talk to them, right? That's not love. The only way that loves them the way God loves them, in terms of acting like Jesus while we were here, it's got to come from God confidence. It's got to come from the fact that that's how he loved us and therefore that's how we love others. That's how it's going to show up. So I want you to just take a moment. Okay, now this is, I know this might seem like I'm picking on you, but I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything. This is just personal, just personal. Just process this for a minute. I want you to think about all the resolutions you've already made this year. I want you to think about all the things you've said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to get better at this and I'm going to do this. And I want you to just answer the question for yourself. Are the resolutions that you made, are they feeding this or are they feeding this? Are they feeding self-confidence or are they going to feed and build and stretch and grow your God confidence? I really want you to commit to the next 21 days of prayer with me. What it looks like is this. We'll probably email you and text you a few different times throughout the the month, but it's really going to require you to be very active you got to follow our Facebook and you got to follow our Instagram and you're going to have to go on there every day to get the prompt for what's next. This is the one today. This is our prayer today is we're going to ask God to increase our capacity to grow our faith. And you all know what faith means now. We're going to increase our capacity, God, to grow in our trust of you, our trust in you. And you're going to have to go there, and there's, there's opportunities to respond with us and share some of the things that God's been revealing to you. And that's going to be every day for the next 21 days. It'll be on Instagram, and, and it'll be on Facebook. And I encourage you to commit to being a part of this. I encourage you to share this with your, on your public profile, on your page. Let the people in your social life know what it is you're doing for the next 21 days and invite them to join you. I mean, just representing the people in our church alone, it has the potential to reach 100,000 people to go through this journey together and to ask the questions and to begin to pray the prayers that we're going to be praying over the next 21 days. I just encourage you to do that. And then I encourage you today that are here, just think about those three areas. As, as we talked about expanding our capacity, increasing that capacity, think about the three areas of prayer and obedience, and love. It's only going to come through God confidence. It's only going to become by being filled with the truth of his word, by being filled with the truth, not about who you say you are, but about 
who he says you are. We're going to be unwavering in our prayer. We're going to be courageous in our obedience for what he's called us to do. And we're going to be lavish in love to those who don't deserve it, to those who haven't earned it and they don't care. They don't look like us, they don't think like us, and they don't agree with us. But we are going to love them the way Jesus loved us. Let's pray together. God, again, I'm very, very thankful that we had the opportunity to continue, no matter how long we've been on this journey with you, that, God, there's so much more that you want to do at work within us. And, God, there's so much more you want to do through us and around us, but sometimes, God, we just need to be stretched. We need to be to, to, to fill to a greater capacity to receive more from you and to experience more from you. God, I'm praying today for everyone here and watching online that you are already doing a work in their heart to build up their confidence. Not their self-confidence, God, but their God-confidence. And that, God, they would do that by just continuing to memorize your word. They would do that by, by continuing to, to pray, to commit to this 21 days and to pray really specifically about the prompts they're given. And that, God, that that, that, that prayer and that faith in their prayer, that trust would be unwavering, that you would fill everyone here with courage to obey, to do what you've called them to do. And God, that we would, again, love others the way that you loved us. We thank you, Jesus, by the power of your spirit. It's the only way that we can continue to be stretched and continue to grow and to be, continue to really increase in our God confidence of you. Thank you for your spirit, God, and by Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen.